Welcome to Expert Couch Potatoes, hosted by three sports fanatics discussing everything sports and for the love of the game. So thank you so much for joining us on our second episode. And we've um, first, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the people that have supported us and followed us and um, yeah, have gone on to our socials. Uh, real big appreciation and thanks for all the love. And we hope to hopefully cover a lot of topics that you wanted to hear about. But yeah, let's get right into it. Nixie, Ashray. Um, another good week of finals footy and I'll just say that we've been we're recording this on Sunday the 11th so um, it's also Nixie's birthday um, but might have been a sore one after last night. (laughs) Thanks man. (laughs) A rough rough start to the week and my birthday. What you do to get over the sorrows of last night? I drank drank the pain away bro a couple of (laughs) times and then just drank the pain away so it's okay but I'm just trying not to dwell on it next year is always good could be worse could be an Essendon supporter so yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. No, it, it was this okay. week of footy probably wasn't as good as last week. Um, yeah, shocking. Games were a bit more one-sided. Uh, Richmond Saints was probably a bit better than last night, but even even that game was just Richmond in control most of the game, and um, a couple of odd calls here and there that that put Saints uh, fans into disarray. But other than that, yeah, it was probably a good game. Richmond just showed their class and. Uh, I think Shane Edwards and uh, Shea Bolton both just had a ripping games, which was which was good. But uh, did you guys catch the Richmond Saints game or most of it at least? Yeah, I did. Um, pretty disappointing for Saints fans, but bit of an I think a bit of an expected outcome. I uh, felt really bad that Ryder was was out as well as Carlisle not playing. Huge blows for them for their team structure, but um, they seem to still put up a decent fight. I think still a very encouraging season they've had and there's big signs for the future so I don't think it's too much of a disappointment um more so just part of their growth um to turn around since last year um Richmond obviously was dominant um and that's I guess the the type of play that they do dominate the ball and um can get on top of teams that easily but obviously it was a very controversial game a lot of iffy calls and some behavior that just wasn't uh, I guess acceptable yeah I guess what was your take from either Nixie or Ashray about Richmond's game, especially there's the, I think it'd be a few dirty, dirty plays here and there. What were your thoughts about that? Definitely think the fact that Hardwick actually endorses this dirty behavior is just disgusting, honestly. <laughs> and with Lynch carrying on the way he is, as well as Rewalt with his carrying on and Cochin as well. When the leaders of the club are acting like that and the coach is also endorsing it, I think it's a bad look for the club. I think they should put back that multi-strike policy where if a person like does something one week and then follows it up a couple of times in the year that, that the previous events also influence how the next um, event occurs. Uh, so like, yeah, with, um, with Lynch, how he like put the knee into someone's neck. I thought that was unsportsmanlike and not the way a champion team should be going out and yeah, acting. So I thought that was pretty bad. And, but they, they played really well, though. So Richmond's back to their Richmond self. Um, their pressure was elite. Their ball movement was sleek. Just that high-intensity, just running game was all up up and running, so it was good. I think yeah. secure fans can hold their head high because they 
Casper. <laughs> Not much to say there. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, we could <laughs> No, they had good parts um, throughout the throughout the match. So I think in the third quarter they they were up and about, but they just couldn't convert on the score. But I think they kicked like one goal five or something when they really had a chance to get back into the game. So moving on, I think goal kicking is something they should be looking at. But I think yeah, Saints supporters can hold their head high, considering that they've at least won a final that some teams. Not mentioning any team in particular, are yet to do for a very long time. So that's really good. I think their future is looking bright as well with a lot of youngsters. And yeah, I think maybe one or two dominant mids would change their fortunes around. And as Shiv said, I think Ryder's loss was huge as well as Carlisle because um, Tom Lynch got off the hook there. And I think Dougal Howe was the only person that could defend him because every other defender was really small and undersized. So. Yeah, I think it was a good season for Rich, uh, St Kilda and I think Richmond might be able to make it another another premiership year. So, yeah, what were your thoughts, Ash, right? What kind of is amazing is that Tom Lynch was a, a vice-captain up at Gold Coast, the captain for a couple of years as well. But the bloke is just a shit bloke. He's, he's like, he's, he has so many brain fades. Like, I don't know how you can be a leader and just be pulling that stuff week in, week out. Uh, pushing some guys head into the ground or uh, kneeing some guy's neck, which is just uncalled for. It's just, I think that's the, the way the culture that the Richmond have built with with that kind of quality of footy uh, getting into the minds of other, other teams has got them where they are so far. And I don't think they should be doing anything differently. If, if Dinner's supporting what uh, what what his players are doing, and it's it's getting them flags. You're playing to you're playing to win flags at the end of the day. If they're getting flags, then they're doing everything right, and that's just the way they're going about it. I think personally, uh, there are clubs out there that are too nice and it's not getting them very far and uh, having the, the attitude and <laughs> the bad boy nature of, of the Richmond Football Club is going to be good for them and, and it has proven to be quite good. Richmond just showed class over the weekend and the top four teams have made the prelims now. So uh, it's it's the way it's supposed to be. I think the four teams up the top were the best over the season and they, they rightfully have made it to the prelims. Nick, what do you reckon? You think it'll be... Uh, Port v Brisbane or Richmond in the granny? I think Port at home, honestly, is a big factor in the prelims. So I think they'll be able to make it through. Uh, but yeah. Richmond have shown time and time again that they're definitely, when September comes or October in this case, they perform at their best. So when what you were saying with um, Richmond, how the whole team's like playing the way they are with the bad boy, tough mentality. I think, as you said, it, it's giving them success and Hawthorne did it before them as well. Unsociable Hawthorne. So I think yeah. success. I don't think they were this bad well. though. I don't think Hawthorne was this bad. This just seems like malicious intent to just attack the other players. It's not even like sportsman-like. I don't think Clarko would endorse that type of behavior, surely. This just seems, I don't know, like they'll win himself. and they'll, yeah, they'll win and they'll obviously, you know, be good chances for the premiership. But they, it comes with a bit of a disdain. Their record will just be that they're, they're I mean, Successful team, but uh, shit culture and um, shit representation. Lynchy, yeah, just a prime example of just being, yeah, just an annoying prick in terms of just attacking people. And I just hated when he when they versed the Suns and he was just, yeah, t- t- targeting their key defenders, especially Sam Collins. I just felt bad for the bloke. He's like young ass. And this guy's just punching him behind the play in, in the ribs and and carrying on. That's surely not acceptable. Um, I guess it, it wins footy. That, that's true. But um, the AFL at least could do something in terms of not just letting things like this go. They want to really build a safe culture or like at least something that is more sportsman-like. I think but, um, footy's gotten too soft, to be honest. Like 
if you go watch the <laughs> 80s and the 90s, these blokes were doing things way worse. I can't forget Barry Hall hooking. Oh, I forgot who it was. I think it was a doggy. Steaker. Player. It was Steaker. Like, steak? Yeah. Like, yeah, you, just, like you, you don't you see that nowadays. Like, you, you don't see that nowadays, actually. But I, I, I kind of miss that bad boy mentality. And Richmond are kind of bringing it back. And Right. He nearly knocked him out. <laughs> I don't, that's, that's, yeah. I don't think that's something you want it's to see. What do you mean? Bro, that is not tough, bro. <laughs> nah. nah, Andrew Gaff is a legend. <laughs> I think, well, how, how, how long was Brayshaw out for? Like uh, a month or two with broken everything, really. Broken jaw, broken <laughs> mouth. It's not something to laugh bro, about. But... <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think foot is just getting softer and softer, but they're trying to protect the players. So they should be doing something about cheap shots like what Tim or Tom Lynch is doing. I think what he's trying to do is test the waters every single game. What can I do and get away with this week? And it's, it's he's getting away with more more things than not. So it's working for him. He's a smart bloke in that way. But yeah, like still. you guys yeah, you guys are mentioning uh, Pat, the big loss of Paddy Ryder and definitely huge loss for the Saints. But Ron Marshall still kept it up in the, in the, uh, in the ruck. Yeah. Uh, it's just at ground level they just could not compete with the Richmond midfield even though they were getting first use the Saints they were just not getting contested possessions inside and uh, they weren't getting clearances either I think they got thumbed up 15 to 5 or something in centre clearances so they, they just weren't having it they weren't getting the ball out of the middle which just held them back throughout the whole game and not getting good access inside 50 um, at all so and Richmond's Richmond, defence as well yeah, their defence yeah, is just amazing. Like, I reckon really good um, despite obviously the knock that people have on them as individuals. Uh, I still think one-on-one, they still compete as effectively. Um, or even just peeling off another player to come and support um, when the ball comes into yeah. inside 50. They seem to just um, have a good structure and it has carried them a long way. Um, the Very defense settled. has been probably one of the best in the league. Yeah, exactly. They work together well. And um, I think that's really one of the strong points for why they do demoralize teams. Can we just appreciate yeah. Bolter as well? The fact that he's just 20 and then took over what Rance was doing? Uh, yeah, perennial yeah. all Australian. I think that's great. Yeah, they've got a really good Definitely. system. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the way they transition when <laughs> the way they transition between uh, when they have position, as soon as they lose position, they're back in position, manned up. And you Saints are trying to take the corridor most times, but they just they're, they're no free players. But whenever Richmond had the ball, it was bang, they had players overlap everywhere. Hats off to the Richmond structures and uh, the coaching panel there. Yeah, I think moving on, um, shock of the week, I think, was <laughs> the insipid pies versus. The terrifying cat. So what were your thoughts to being a Geelong supporter? Seeing your team just body uh, worthy opponent. Yeah. Many thought, but in the end, lifeless. You look a little bit yeah. traumatized, Enix. Yeah, bro. A, bit of, a couple of flashbacks to 2018 here, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Been thinking about both of those a lot recently. So it wasn't that good, but you, gotta, you live and you Should, learn, honestly. This is dominant, though. The cat's performance. Yeah, since like the first quarter, we were just on the ball on all aspects i was pretty pumped i didn't expect that as well i mean i think we played really well and you know played the game on our terms um i think obviously the things that we mentioned the last episode or i mentioned in terms of game style and uh, moving the ball a bit quicker i think was much more evident last night um, i guess i'm not sure if that's because collingwood might have been more lackluster compared to port's defense the intention was there to move the ball quickly and move it you know when there was an opening they went after it more uh, whereas against port they just didn't take on the chance until the third or fourth quarter so yeah it was exciting to see the first two quarters of the footy and then after that it was just disappointing i mean to get bullied by that much in a final was this was a sad i couldn't i think after the third the third quarter it was just yeah it was very sad even for a Geelong fan I think yeah a few tears shed by the Pies Pies fans there but I think yeah 2018 Nixie I reckon you had a better chance than this one this one was just 
yeah, disastrous on all counts. Honestly, I got to give it to the Cats. Backs against the wall, their poor finals record since 2011. Yeah. And you came out and just gave it to us. A team who's been pretty good in finals in the past couple of years as well. So I think, yeah, we've definitely underperformed. And I think it started from the middle. You guys just dominated us. I think Grundy looked really down and Stanley got, got on top of him, gave you a mids the first use, and your midfield is just stacked. I think with Menegola, Duncan, Selwood, Gaz, Danger, all these guys running through, and Tim Kelly from last year. You guys had just a stacked midfield for a long time. They really showed who they were today, and I think they're worthy finals opponents for the next um, next couple of rounds. Hopefully, you guys make it past next week. Yeah, Gaz I think gets winning exclusive medallion. Yeah, I hope so as well. But um, I think winning the contested ball in the middle allowed for Danger to go up since the get-go from the first quarter. And uh, he's just uh, a revelation to see when he's up forward and he's like launching himself at packs. I think sometimes people think he is overrated, but I think his pure talent uh, is his magic and the way he can launch himself. At, um, he, I don't think he's that tall. I mean, I think he's 185, 186. He's not more than 190 centimetres, but against a really tall Collingwood back line, um, his explosiveness was um, just a great sight to see and uh, obviously appreciate when he can, you know, actually um, pull out a performance like that in the forward line. He is, a, I reckon, a threat to behold. And hopefully, I think he's, he's um, you know, yearning for a, a premiership as well, or at least to play in a granny. So um, not just for Gaz, but I think for him as well, it would be great for him to, like, really put his talent forward and take that team um, alongside everyone else that we have to hopefully our grand final, which has been a long time coming. Yeah, even though it's 185 to 190 centimetres, it's a 95 kilo beast. So yeah. like, he crashes packs. <laughs> so like, you just like, and, and being that heavy and the agility that that bloke's got, the strength. Like, it's crazy. Eight time all Australian um, up there with Gaza, I would say with, with that stat at least. But uh, you don't see Gaz being compared to danger too much just because Gaz is someone else. But he's up, he's definitely up there. You saw and it last night. It was like glimpses. Well. Glimpses when yeah. he kicked it inside 50. You're just silky. Um, mm. And that's why he's still on the team, I think, just for those few moments of brilliance that we still obviously love to see, yeah. even though he's in the twilight and, of his yeah. career. Exactly. Like 10 touches, but it's just every single touch counts for him. And he'll, yeah. he'll put it to a good spot. He's, uh, even though I think he's at a down year with, with his disposal efficiency, but he just gets involved all the time. Uh, Gaz. Yeah. So he's worthy. he's worthy of that, that spot in that team. And uh, hopefully, Cats can pull it through for for, uh, for Gaz. But the re- track record hasn't been great. How many prelims have you guys made in the past nine years? Yeah, I think a fair few. We made it last year um, as well. But no, I think the feeling is a bit different this year. We've, I think, played more consistently throughout the year. Just a few uh, disappointments maybe later in the year. But I think we have a good chance. Uh, if we, It just depends on if we turn it on. If we turn it on, we can play a good brand of footy and really dominant. And I think against Brisbane, our game style really does match up well against them. So that's why I think we've got a better chance compared to maybe against Port or Tigers. Yeah, I'm actually keen. We've been playing good at the, at the Gabba. They're obviously going to have home crowd advantage. And that I think has been a huge factor in the final so far. I think I think we've got a good chance uh, next week. Port and, Ty- and the Tigers, they, I think arguably also had one uh, of the best games in the home way season. So I'm keen to see that as well. But um, yeah, what were you guys also thinking for next week? And I guess your predictions. Yeah, I, th- I think Richmond v Port will be pretty big. Uh, going down to Adelaide Oval and beating Port there is not, not something that's easy. But yeah, I, I think that forward line's quite potent at, at Port and uh, the defence is the lead at Richmond. So I, I think it'll be a good game to watch and quite a worthy preliminary final. 
hopefully it's it's not a disappointing one like last night. Uh, hopefully it's a good good final to watch, and we can go into the granny looking looking forward to a quality match. But I think any four of these teams will have a good chance uh, of winning the flag, and I would love Brisbane to win just a young and up and coming team. But uh, it'll be a tough matchup against the Cats this week, so. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think the same. I think we'll see two great games with the four best teams, as I think she, all you alluded to. So I thought that's really good that that's the case. I think, um, yeah, with Brisbane, I'd love them or Geelong to win. I'm not a huge fan of Tigers and Port, but they also play a really good game. I think it's just because uh, we've seen Richmond win for so long. I think you get sick of it, right? Mm-hmm. You want someone else yeah. doing well. I think during the Hawthorne era, it was the same. We all hated Hawthorne. I think we all hate Richmond right now, but they're a good team. I think that will be probably the game of the week in my eyes, just because um, Richmond always performed during finals and Port are playing at home with their crowd. So it'll be really good to see what happens there. And I think with Geelong and Brisbane, that'll be a nice game. Geelong are in, in some crazy type of form that we haven't seen from them for like maybe a decade or so, I think, in terms of finals footy. But I love, yeah, as I've said before, I'd love Danger. And um, Gaz to get a, a premiership medal. I think, as you were saying as well, with Danger being up there with um, Gaz, I think uh, Danger. I think once he gets that premier, uh, that premiership medallion, he'll be mentioned among the greats of the game because I think that's the only thing that's probably holding him back from up being in the top five, ten players ever. So I think he could he could get up there when his career finishes. As well as I think with Brisbane, it's great that they're so young and they're getting, I think, Joey Danaher next year as well. So it'll be scary what they're building up there. So next couple of years, I think being a Brisbane supporter would be great. What about you, Shiv? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to pick out next week. I think I'd, I want to see Port win over Tigers just because I don't want to see Tigers in the finals with their you know, dirty play and don't want that to um, shatter over a, a granny. But um, I just, I think Port's actually pretty exciting, even though I kind of uh, didn't like them as much as well and thought they were kind of uh, flat track bullies. I think they've shown that, you know, they can rebuild a culture of, of a club and, you know, their marketing. And I think the whole organization has done well to bring them back to what their position they're at. I mean, you know, they let go of Wingard as well as a few other key players really invested in the, in the draft and then end up getting some great picks that obviously are actually match winners for them and do play a good finals type footy. So it'd be good to see them win. And hopefully the Cats can uh, beat Lions as well. Uh, and hopefully we get a 2007 uh, grand final repeat. What about you, Ashray? Um, to be honest, I would love a Port v Lions granny just because I want to I see a non-big team win. And I think with COVID, you'll, uh, this is probably the best chance that a non-Victorian team has to win since we're not playing at the MCG. So... Uh, I would love to see Port be lined. I think that would be a good game too. I think Richmond would pretty much, uh, if Richmond got through, they would be. I reckon they would take the Lions. So uh, I'd, I'd like to see Port be Lions, but I think they yeah, they do have that big matchup against the Cats this week. What are your tips, boys? Who do you guys think are gonna? Uh, who, who do you think is gonna make it through? And uh, what's the granny gonna look like? I think Richmond Geelong for me. What about you? Uh, I think yeah. I think. I think Cats will lose in the prelim to the Lions and it'll be Lions and Port. That That's probably what I want. And I think that that's what will happen as well. I mean, and I'm she, obviously going to uh, say, hopefully Cats <laughs> win. <laughs> but um, if, okay, hypothetically, if Cats win and then Port wins and we would play at Gabba, we have a real good chance of winning the whole thing. And I think if we have the vision to um, see that, I guess, to that extent or that far ahead, I know it seems exciting to just hope 
that we can get to that granny. But um, I don't know, like Port and Richmond, obviously it's a very hard game to pick out. I, I'm hoping, I think it's more so me just having the bias of who I want to win. So I'm assuming, I'm hoping that Port wins as well as Cats can get over the lines um, and see you know, a Port's versus, a Port versus um, Cats clash in the granny. But you never know with Richmond, they could probably beat Port even at Adelaide Oval. So it'll be a great um, set of prelim finals to come up. So a topic that's been in the media recently is the disarray at Bomberland. So Astro, being a Don supporter, can you explain more of what's going on there at your club? Yeah, I think it's hard for me from an outsider point of view, but from what we've seen in the media, it's, it's just a huge culture issue. There's, uh, you look back 20 years ago when Shees was still around, it was just people feared the Bombers. They're like, oh, we're versing the Bombers this week. We've we got to uh, get our shit together. But now, now for the past 10, 15 years, it's just the, the too nice of a team. And it's it's like from the root of the club, there's, there's issues from deep within. And uh, I think Shiv mentioned a couple of weeks back that to have that good culture, you need to have the winning, the people that were there when you were winning. And since it's been so long since the Bombers have won, there aren't many people left. Uh, from from the time where, where, where they were a great club. But it's it's like, I think Geelong still got Scarlet around. Who, who else was around, Shiv? That was still... Yeah, a lot of them are still around. I think Scarlet and Nigel Lappin is another one. I think it was at Brizzy, but like there are a lot of people that are still tied to the club and even just in the admin team. So they don't have to be in the coaching part of the team, but even just being around admin or the regist- I guess the rest of the organisation, it brings that value. Yeah, definitely. I think that's just what the bombers are lacking there's just that mm. lack of culture and uh, there's i read an article on by a man called craig yorston who who uh, was a trainer at the bombers for about 30 years oh yeah and he's just uh, just saying how it's just completely different now and uh there's there's just the, there's no winning culture there's no uh, no one going out there being like oh we're gonna win this and there's no there's no fear when, when you're versing the bombers anymore and it's just the, I think a, a big problem is that there's the team changes so much that there's like you see Richmond they've got that core group of players that are there the whole time and in the past three four years they've had the same core core group of players but uh, the Bombers just don't have that core group they're bringing in new people chopping and changing every single week and um, yet injuries haven't helped but it's still injuries aren't the uh, the problem it's 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 the inner culture so it's it's scary knowing that if everybody's going to start leaving the bombers, what's, what's really going to change? Uh, the, how's, how's the culture going to change? Ben Rudden's never been with the bombers till about two years ago. What does he know about Bomberland? Uh, it's, it's a big worry. And if players like Zach Merritt, uh, who were in, who's pretty much, I think he was vice captain in 2016 when the drug scandal happened and all the bad players were banned. And if he was being taken out of the, the leadership group, there's something to worry about and he's going to lose motivation. He's not going to want to be around. And if, if you're one of your captains or vice captains is looking to move, that's, it's definitely something going wrong. There's no relationship with the coach and the captains. And it's just something that the Bombers just need to really figure out. And I think getting Kevin Sheedy in there is a step in the right direction on the board. And even though the board's probably quite independent and they don't have much of an impact on uh, day-to-day operations, I think just having that winning culture in Kevin Sheedy will be good. And honestly, it's, it's probably a contentious... Uh, topic but bringing James Hurd back would be something nice as well like in some role he was there when the Bombers were one of the best clubs uh, back in the 90s and Brownlow medalist so he's he just definitely knows how to win he just I think his just career's been tainted by the supplement saga so but I still would be a big advocate to get James Hurd back I just 
it's just sad to see the Bombers going worse than what they already are. And next year's not looking any better. We're probably going to be wooden spooners if we continue at this rate. But yeah, it, it, it is what it is. And hopefully we get a good a few good draft picks for the, the players we're losing. And um, this year's probably not the best year to have drafts and seeing that pretty much all of Victoria haven't played footy all year because of Corona. So it'll be interesting to see what what the draft's like and if we can pick up any good players but apparently there are good, some good youngsters in this, in coming through, uh, good tall forwards, but uh, you, you can never really tell until they start playing. But fingers crossed, hopefully Bombers do something next year and maybe uh, not get wooden spoon, but I can't do much about it from the outside. Maybe it's a job that I should take up, go be a strategy analyst or something at, at Bombers to... Uh, to make them a better club because I think I could make a difference <laughs> better than these blokes, to be honest. <laughs> I think piggybacking yeah. on what you were saying about um, how you should bring people who've had success, been tied with uh, Essendon as well. They did that in the past. Like they brought in, um, so in terms of success, they just had the ex Eagles coach. So what was his name? I completely forgot. Warsford. John Warsford. Yeah, they had Warsford. And... <laughs> He's so irrelevant that you forgot his name. <laughs> yeah. So he was like a great player, two time championship captain. Premiership coach, just like rich history, really good person, and he's had success. And he came to Essendon, and he wasn't able to change that. So, do you reckon like mm. more than just bringing those people in? I think do you have to like make cuts yeah. everywhere, think, or is it just one particular area? Yeah, I think you, you can't blame any one person at all. It's just it's everyone there. Like everybody needs to preach good culture. Everybody needs to have strong leadership, and I think. Yeah, Wush is not an Essendon man, so he wouldn't have that drive to to make Essendon great again. But he did come into the club in probably one of his darkest times. He, he gets hired and then a couple of weeks later finds out that he's he lost 34 players. So um, it's like it's he came in at a tough time and I think he did his job in bringing people together uh, f- for the first two years at least and then it just became a bit of a shambles. But yeah, I think if they can bring in people that know the Bombers, we can get that culture back. And that's that's probably the way they've got to go. And I think Ben Ryder needs to start building solid relationships with his players or the people are just going to start leaving again. And when one player leaves, a couple of his mates that uh, that are also playing at the Bombers are going to want to leave as well. So it's going to be an exodus. Like people are going to start leaving if, if we don't get this fixed. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy just seeing where the Bombers were 20 years ago to where they are now. And I chose probably the worst time to be born. If I was born maybe 10 years earlier, <laughs> I could have seen some success, but it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not too good to see. We've also chosen a different team to go for. That's another option yeah. instead of being born 10 years <laughs> earlier. Yeah, that, that also that. But yeah, I think like it, this whole saga and the whole just bad culture of Bombers is going to affect... The, the mental health of all the players and the supporters as well, to be honest. Uh, I think it's it's tough for everyone that, that's involved in, at the SNF Football Club or any stakeholder of the SNF Football Club. But I think something that we were really we should touch on and we should acknowledge is the, the mental toll that this year has taken on all the football players and not even this year, just in general, what footy does to people. And it's it's a men's sport, so we see that men can't really speak up about their mental health issues especially with all the criticism that they they face uh, out there with with fans with uh, anyone involved in the AFL and it's it's been stated that uh, it's 
mental health is probably the biggest issue in the game at the moment and we're just not recognizing it but it's good to see that AFL is making some movement in a positive direction in trying to help the mental health of players but have you, have you guys seen this as well the impact it's had on pretty much everyone especially hub life yeah i mean not even just AFL but any general sport uh, i think the expectation of a sports player is very high and i think obviously you you know you do expect them to have that competitive edge and that they do get paid a lot of money to do what they do but at the end of the day they're still also human beings as well and for them to be productive their mental health is crucial and i think that you know stems across not just footy uh, sports players but also people in general and i think that's kind of been you know put under the microscope even further during covid people being stuck at home and really being have to i guess live in their own like little spaces and kind of being very introspective into what their lives are like so mental health is been a strong aspect that people really actually need to think about and really uh, put some uh, time and effort into and really care about you know how you are feeling and how much it does affect you in your overall life i think that once again ties back to hub life like you mentioned ashray uh because they're obviously living within just pretty much just stuck with people that they play footy with there's not really any other exposure and you know your life can always be greater than the sport that you play um and i think that's probably impacted a lot of players and it's kind of driven a lot of players out of the sport as well um if you've seen like yeah. tom boyd as an as an example so for you to i guess be productive physically and for you to be successful for sure i think mental health and you know being able to you know practice mindfulness is something that's really important and performing at the most elite level it's it's definitely good to you know take care of your mental health so that you can be as successful yeah i think what beams is beams has gone most of this year joe dan mm-hmm. has expressed his mental health issues as well magic door buddy franklin for, for a couple of years he was out uh, with mental health issues and jack steven as well uh, couldn't take it at the saints anymore so i uh, went up to jelong but um everybody's just had their own issues and I think it doesn't even start, it doesn't start when you become a player it starts earlier nowadays with the draft with the pressure that you face in the draft year wanting to not not get injured and making sure that you're staying healthy and performing at your very best and it does take a mental toll on you and you're 18 years old or 17 years old and that's crazy pressure to have at that young age I think Essendon like something I heard recently with especially Adam Saad obviously I'm uh, looking to tr- be um you know traded to another team. When he came to the club, he was obviously, you know, someone that took their culture on board and he really wanted to play for you guys. And that was yeah. evident with his passion. But then now to see him seek or request for a trade, but then for Essendon to also kind of hit back and say that oh he's not really embracing the culture, like he's not wanting to be here and he's not playing like he's part of the team. I think the first recognition should be the organization needs to understand what these players want. because they're the core at the core of what they're doing and really kind of acknowledge you know how are you feeling um with the team is there improvements that we can make and you know obviously mental health is a strong aspect of that if they really feel like they belong and if they believe in that culture that is being welcoming and i think that's important you know even when you know Essendon does get a few new draft picks because that's where your culture starts right like when you've got those draft picks in that can really kind of harness that culture um if you see gold coast for example matt rowles come in obviously he's a prodigy and he's a great player but i think around him they've been able to build a whole new culture as to them kind of actually being a force to be reckoned with and kind yeah. of reestablish themselves as a club and i think um at the backbone of it is really making sure that everyone feels inclusive it's well welcoming and that their mental health and that is a key aspect of it that they do feel like they belong so 
hopefully something that you know Essendon can take some I think some experience from and build on that and it really does help your culture to ensure that players do stay uh, but yeah what about you Nixie I know um, I guess I've seen you know Bucksy's culture has been very different at Pies and maybe in general you probably touched on how important mental health is as well to footy but I guess all other sports yeah Bucks has just uh, so ever since he came into the club he got rid of people who were who weren't following what he wanted so like he could that's what Essendon could do so basically like the the rowdy players like the ones who were involved with like the bikey gang the rap pack he slowly got rid of them just because it sets a bad example for the young young people coming through and you don't want them getting into trouble straight away so like being a 17 or 18 year old your mind's so impressionable and I feel like being around players like that would just influence not only the way you play but how you um, think so mentally, yeah, it, could, it all relates back to mental health at the end of the day. Because these type of players also, like, there's a history of drug abuse, all that sort of stuff. And that, that can obviously have, be detrimental to mental health. I think another thing you guys were mentioning was how uh, these players are undergoing so many mental stress, not only from the game, but from external factors. That being like fans, like death threats, death um, abuse, all that sort of stuff on social media these days. Zach Dawson, I think there was, I was watching a podcast with Dylan Friends uh, by Dylan Buckley, where he mentioned that he was outside at a nightclub one night and um, some guy just bottled him, like glassed him at night just because they knew who he was and because um, of the way he was playing. So I think performance and mental health, they go hand in hand there. So I think that's pretty sad. And um, I think we forget that these players are humans as well. Like they're not just pawns that are just, uh, we're using to have a bit of watch and have a bit of fun. Like it's, it's these guys, like I have a bit of empathy for Joe Danaher, Adam Saad wanting to leave as well, just because like, if they're not happy where they are, then it, it is, it, it is that way. And you can't do much better. And I guess the players come first and the club's going to be as healthy as possible when everybody's uh, mentally sound. So like, I think it, the, the foot football association is doing, going in the positive, making positive movements toward a better mental health system within the AFL and the Players Association. They've created a few things that would really help the players in becoming more mentally sound. And there's a lot of uh, mindfulness programs. I think there's one called Courageous Conversations where they're just talking about uh, any issues that they were facing. And they're doing that alongside um, November Foundation. And a lot of football players have been taking part in that. Tom Boyd, I've seen Justin Kaczynski as well. Uh, from from the Saints back in the day, Matthew Lobb and Beams as well, who, who have been involved in that. So I think the football so AFL PA are doing the right thing to help the players, and it's it's great that this has become a, a big talking point in football, and it should be pretty much everywhere. And I've seen at least at the Bombers that they're, they're really practicing mindfulness and trying to just live in that present moment because that's what footy is. You're you're going contest to contest. If you're thinking about what happened 30 seconds ago when you're at this contest, you're not going to be your best. And just putting your head down and getting the ball in that present moment is, is what's going to make you perform the best as well. So it's got benefits outside of uh, just your mental health, but just your physical playing ability as well. So I think mindfulness is something that's come into the game and it's been quite good throughout football. And I think Saints have been really big on it with Brett Radden uh, leading the way there. So you guys, um, you guys seem to have a lot of knowledge or seem to be really aware of what's going on with mental health. So how are you involved, Ashray, with uh, mental health? Like, yeah, uh, um, I've actually I actually uh, speak on a podcast called Mindful Mates as well uh, with two of my good mates, and we just discuss everything uh, mental health related. 
uh, whether it be a possible treatments. So we, we had an episode about mindfulness as well and how we could use that to benefit our lives. And definitely check it out if you guys are listening to this. It's something that I think everybody could benefit off. I think I've also been involved with uh, the Black Dog Institute trying to help raise money for mental health research, which has been quite good as well. Shiv, uh, how have you been involved? I see you've, your moustache is starting to grow. <laughs> what are your plans for the next month? Yeah, mate, unfortunately, I can't go grow a beard that much. So the stash is the one thing I'm holding on to. But yeah, before, obviously, I discussed, um, I know, you know, taking part in November, just a huge shout out to uh, yourself, Ashray, as well as Shashank and Inesh as well. Um, a great initiative. They're on Spotify and they've obviously got a great thing going on there with the podcast. And hopefully everyone can check that out as well. Touching on a lot of things, especially with mindfulness and mental health. I think it's probably more than more important now than ever um, during COVID and being in ISO and lockdown, just making sure that you are okay and, you know, really checking into how you're feeling every day. But yeah, I think that's kind of, I guess, an inspiration as well as um, just an initiative for why I wanted to take part in November. I did a few years ago, but I think um, just being uh, able to reflect a bit more recently about mental health, but also men's health. I just wanted to kind of raise a bit more awareness, raise some funds for Movember Foundation, as you mentioned, Ashray, they do some great stuff with, you know, uh, pushing forward programs, uh, like you talked about with AFL, but I think in general, across the country, as well as well as worldwide, there's a huge stigma around men just, you know, not being able to embrace their emotions and, um, you know, be vulnerable, which impacts you, uh, for sure, in the long run. And I think it should be, you know, common, common space for you, you know, for men to really be able to articulate their emotions and really understand what they're going through. Um, not for, I think, men to have this expectation, just be, you know, a strong, hard people all the time. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, the stigma really needs to be broken down in terms of how we can communicate that, not just with, you know, uh, a therapist or like a counselor, but just even with your mates, just trying to foster that uh, community where, you know, you can really share your emotions with the people around you and, you know, that you feel safe to do so. I think sometimes it's so hard for you to just even tell your uh, close best mate about how you feel just because there is this whole stigma surrounding it. So, um, yeah, that's why I was kind of passionate to, you know, take part in November again. And it is a great initiative and hopefully, you know, mental health, mindfulness and um, just well-being, especially for men, um, does become something more generalised and that we do really take care about how we express our emotions. Because at the end of the day, if you can really check in with your emotions, you can then, you know, deal better with people around you and, you know, build stronger relationships and, you know, foster relationships that are uh, beneficial to you as well as the other people around you as well. So, yeah, that was my passion for it. And I think, you know, think, as you mentioned, uh, Ashray, it's so important for sports as well. Yeah, hundred percent. That I think, yeah, we've we've bridged off the sports topic a little bit and gone into our passions. But just kind of coming back to to, to sport and uh, all the other sports we follow, we've been asked to speak about the EPL. And to be honest, we're not the most experienced in this area, but uh, we'll we'll make a promise to, to watch a little bit more and uh, have more educated discussions about the Premier League and uh, what's going on there. But out of our current knowledge so far, <laughs> what do we think is going on, boys? Yeah, Ashray, do you know what EPL stands for? Or I think it's uh, English Premier League. That's it. Yeah, good on you, mate. Um, Thanks, mate. Yeah, clearly Ashray doesn't watch a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> of EPL. But um, I think I think we all used to at some point watch it when you were a bit younger. So, yeah, we will, we will definitely be keen to jump back on it. I know, Nixie, you were a Chelsea supporter back in the day. Yeah, I was. Yeah, exactly. So something I'm trying to follow again, because um, the season's so early, we don't know too much about the teams going in right now. So 
So I think that's something that will be mentioned more and more often as the podcasts go on and as the season progresses, just, yeah, just because we're still trying to get a better idea of what's going on there. But um, as Ashra mentioned, EPL stands for the English Premier League and that's all we got at the moment for, the, uh, for that. <laughs> yeah. so. I've, seen a, I've seen a little bit just in terms of um, Liverpool getting, I guess, dominated by Aston Villa as well as yeah, Man U not doing as well. No, but Arsenal has actually won four in a row and topped the ladder. Yeah, but I think so that's that. why it's kind of hard. <laughs> I guess yeah, I've seen more hard. than I know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard for us to kind of comment on that because it's just so early in the season. But um, there were there were some huge off-season stuff that we probably could discuss a bit later. We'll definitely get into that once we do follow the season in terms of a lot of pickups that came over, such as Timo Werner, who joined um, Chelsea, okay. and a lot of other great people that did join um, the EPL across the off-season. So... Yeah, keen to get into that, you know, across the next few episodes. But at this point, really just kind of gauging the start of the season so far. But yeah, Nixie, what about NBA? I mean, if that's kind of been going on at the moment with the NBA finals as well, have you been uh, still keeping up with the, the most recent games? Honestly, yeah, I have been. Not as much as I should, but I have been. Um, the, so just a recent game. There was two games in the past week. One where... Um, Jimmy Butler just carried um, Miami over the line with his 40-point triple-double. So that's been huge. And then I think the choke from LeBron and AD last last game where where Butler and his uh, team were able to actually come through and beat them in the last final, final dying stages of the game. So I thought that was great. But um, as I mentioned before, it looks like Miami's, it's going to be a while before we see Miami like blossoming into the team they can be. But I still think there's a series here that has to be won by LeBron. And it might take a bit longer for him to um, do that. So it might reach all the way up to six or seven games. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty good. What about you? What are your thoughts, Shi? Yeah, I mean, I was assuming six games. That would probably go for six games at least. But, yeah, as the season went, as the first few games went on, it was like, oh, Lakers might sweep it, like everyone thought. But um, you just can't count this Miami team out. Um, just a great example of how an organisation can put together you know, uh, a few, a lot of underdogs and really perform uh, with a lot of heart. And I think I just love that about the team. There's a, there's a lot of emotional storylines because Miami obviously have had those people that, you know, have been um, underrated and they're all doing really well as an organization. And I think Butler um, has, you know, accopted a lot from the media in terms of him, his, um, you know, involvement within an, any organization that he's been a part of. But I think it's more so just the culture fit that he didn't really get a team that, uh, wanted to work as hard as he wanted to. And that's really been evident this year. And it would be really great to see him win. But I think Lakers will get over the line. And I think they do have that core, um, I guess, core passion or core motivation to do it for Kobe. And um, I think they'll get over the line. It'll be, it's just been so good to watch both of them go at it. Butler versus LeBron has been an elite matchup. And I think it's been entertaining for sure. It hasn't been a sweep as everyone expected. But yeah, Nick, we got a great question from one of our listeners, um, Abishan. Uh, so big shout out to him. Um, he was just asking about NBA and uh, what the biggest storyline of the season was, because obviously it's been a very interrupted season, but there's been some great stories so far. What was your kind of picks from this um, interrupted season? I think um, how there's so many young players coming through. So I think Luca rose to the top. So he's probably in the top five, 10 players in the league. Um, Jamal Murray showed that he can keep up with the best. Nearly, yeah, carried carried the team over the line against the Clippers and Jazz too. So they've been huge. Um, as well as that, I think just how a good team, rather than a team of superstars, can actually go far in this league. 
So Raptors and uh, Miami are two good examples where they're a team rather than two star players just carrying the load. You saw Clippers implode where they had two star players and a good cast, but they weren't really playing as a team. So I think cohesion is a big thing that I think gets overlooked with NBA, even though there's five players and now one or two can influence it. I th- still think having a starting five that's just solid and well-rounded can actually go pretty far. So that's basically what I've been able to take away from this season. What about you, um, Shiv? Yeah, I mean, there's like good storylines and bad storylines. Actually, the storyline for most of the NBA before it started was The Last Dance. So that was uh, just MJ just putting, you know, his show out there, which was great to watch. And I think I think that kind of gave a lot of players inspiration, hopefully in the bubble, um, just to see his competitiveness. Um, so that was kind of pre-bubble. And then after that, I guess the main storylines have, I think Nuggets were just an inspiration to watch as a team to play so well. Um, that's what's kind of been amazing to see because we haven't had, you know, a huge superstar team this uh, season because the Warriors kind of uh, were dismantled and they were a force to be reckoned with. But um, yeah, I think like you mentioned, pretty much the same things. Nuggets were obviously one of the amazing storylines. Luca is going to be a phenomenon. So keen to see him in the next few seasons. And um, yeah, I think another probably storyline is OKC and how well they've done given the expectations. I think when you talk about a team um, being under, under expected in terms of, I mean, I guess expected to do less. They really defied those odds and performed amazingly with an, a veteran and, you know, a lot of rookies, uh, Chris Paul of that team well. So, yeah, I think there wasn't just one biggest storyline. I think there was numerous storylines that really uh, came forward. And I think a lot of it was actually emerging stars that came out. So it's been an exciting season, nevertheless, despite the interruption. But yeah, I think there's a lot of positives that we are looking forward to in the future years and um, see how teams move forward and how more successful they can be. Um, Ashray, what are your thoughts on NBA and how the finals have been going? The NBA is the National Basketball Association. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, good stuff, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know my ass from my face, man. But it was, it's good to see Heat putting up a competition. I think it's what, 3 2 now? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm 3 there. 2. Which is good to see. And I, I thought there would be a, um, Lakers in four, but it's it's good to see that it's Lakers in six, maybe, <laughs> which, which isn't four, which is good. But maybe something I can talk about a little bit more is the IPL, which ha- it hasn't been uh, too amazing recently, but something that's probably stood out is again um finally Coley making some runs <laughs> and he had a good game last night rcb's moving up the ladder slowly and csk still down at the bottom pretty much so uh it's it's been good what's something that really probably stood out to me was yeah even in Coley's innings yesterday he made 90 odd and she only made four of those runs from boundaries so it's amazing that this guy in in t20 cricket runs so hard uh, when boundaries, you're meant to be just talking boundaries on a daily. He he hits 50 runs just from singles and doubles, and that's just crazy. And the endurance uh, you need to do that is is something else. So it's hats off to him, and I'm just looking forward to the summer IPL. Isn't isn't uh, as good as uh, Australian summer cricket. <laughs> so um, I'm really I'm really looking forward to that, and hopefully COVID's gone by then. Everybody can come down to my house, and uh, we'll chuck it up on the projector and. Uh, have, have a couple of beers and watch uh, watch Boxing Day Cricket, which which I'm really looking forward to. Sick of staying at home alone all the time. And, and maybe something that's a little bit off topic. Dan Andrews doesn't seem like he's going to be releasing many restrictions next Sunday. So <laughs> uh, 
we're gonna be here for a little bit longer boys it was yeah. a time of uh, my life when i went for rcb and i went for melbourne stars in the big bash and both of them would always make the finals but never win uh, mm. the granny so, just like the cats i uh, guess i think it's a trend man yeah yeah it's a, a bit better than your trend uh, <laughs> fair enough good call <laughs> yeah but i mean i think stars end up winning a few and rcb i reckon will soon they'll win one but yeah it's just been a roller coaster season as usual for ipo it's generally what we expect and hopefully looking forward to the second half of the season and see how all the players go but yeah obviously delhi looks like a real clear uh, front runner at the moment yeah and maybe just something to touch on really quickly is uh formula one weekend this weekend so it's been uh, nothing's been going on for the past two weeks last week we had off this week's just been um a shit weather so we haven't had much racing so we've only probably had an hour an hour of quali yesterday uh so it's nothing really much to say about it but Lance Stroll has been a bit ill so Hulkenberg's taken his seat um and came st- dead last yesterday in qualifying just because the bloke hasn't ridden driven in that car uh at all no practice all weekend so uh feel for him but hopefully he can come through and um get get off the bottom of the grid and maybe hop into the, uh, the top 10 but Shiv, who do you think came first, second um, in, in qualifying yesterday? Oh, I reckon um, I watched a bit of F1, but I think I could pick this out. Surely Hamilton came first, uh, Bottas came second, and Verstappen came third. I'm close, mate. Close. Um, oh. Bottas actually out-qualified Hamilton, so it's Bottas, Hamilton, and Verstappen. But close enough. Uh, but you know he's going to win, though. You know he's going to win <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Qualifying doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I know. I, like... Honestly, if Hamilton is a win, I'd, I'd rather Bottas win over Hamilton. So, kind of happy that Bottas got um, pole, but we'll see how he goes tonight. And yeah, maybe he gets cucked. Maybe he can time. pull through. Legit, he gets cucked on a daily. And who knows? Verstappen might pull through. Maybe Mercedes have an engine failure and uh, something nice happens and it gets a bit interesting. Um, yeah, we'll probably, hopefully, in the next few episodes, probably discuss a bit further about the middle table clash in F1. I think that's yeah. been more exciting to watch than just mess it Mercedes um, just being at the top and winning every every single race. But um, yeah, I think we'll touch on you know, uh, Renault um, and all the other teams. We've got obviously uh, Albon as well, pretty much is middle tier um, because um, Verstappen ends up winning anyway, uh, coming I guess in the top three. But yeah, a lot of other teams to look out for uh, McLaren, Renault. Yeah, so we'll hopefully discuss them a bit later. But yeah, to wrap things off. Keep sending in questions, any suggestions for what other topics we should discuss. We might definitely be able to touch on it and definitely get into different types of sports. We're always passionate to do so. But yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, thanks so much um, for all the support that you all have been providing and feel free to always continue to follow us on our uh, socials. We'll definitely post when we will be you know, releasing our episodes and you know, it's on Spotify, Anchor and a few other platforms, whichever you use. But yeah, uh, thank you so much once again from the three of us from Nick's Ashray and myself um, will also be um, attaching a few links to Ashray's, pod, uh, Ashray's podcast that he's doing with Shashank and Anesh, Mindful Mates. And we'll also be able to put through a few links for November and how you can support that. But other than that, that is a wrap for our second episode. Thank you so much for joining us at the Expert Catch Potatoes, hosted by three sports fanatics discussing everything sports and for the love of the game. We'll see you next time.